0: prepare yourself. It's Big News Wednesday. It is indeed Big News Wednesdays with me, John Arilla. Obviously, I'm here pretty much every day. I kind of live here. This is my house, this show. But joining me in my show house, once again, Sharon Reed. Welcome back. Glad to have you here.
1: Good to be here. Do you have one of those wall beds that pulls down? I don't know if you sleep in there too.
0: An old school Murphy. Yeah, 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 it's a small show house. So you know you need to be efficient. It's the (laughs) Ikea model. Um, But anyway, uh, welcome to the show. Glad to have you here. We've got just so much news, too much news. It's spilling out of the show house, actually. Legal update news on Donald Trump that we'll be talking about, including how Alina Hoppe's 15 minutes of fame could be coming to a close. We might be in minute 14 right now. We've got continued fallout from the tragic death of three US service members in Jordan over the weekend. And now the right wing is attempting to use that to score political points and oh, maybe bring about World War Three. And we could have impeachment like right Now, not Joe Biden, he's cool for a couple of weeks. But his cabinet members are not immune to impeachment as well. And the Republicans are really gearing up for that. We've got a whole lot more besides and that's just in the first hour. So those of you who won't be around for the aftermath, those of you listening on the podcast, for instance, head over to youtube.com slash the damage report where you can see a whole bunch more content that we release as videos on demand on a daily basis. We will be diving into the continued and perhaps escalating feud between the MAGA world and the Swifties. Who will win? I think I actually know, and we'll talk about it coming up in the aftermath. For now, though, we do have to jump into the news. You ready to do this thing, Sharon? As ready as I'm
1: gonna be. Like you said, it's big, big news Wednesday.
0: It is. And let's get started with how big it is, starting with this. Fresh off her absolutely humiliating performance in the Eugene Carroll case, a performance that ended up taking what could have just been $20 million that Trump owed that writer and instead balloons to $83.3 million. Well, it keeps getting worse for Alina Haba. and in fact, she might soon be out of a job. Stay tuned for the evidence on that. But we need to talk first about This scheme that she had, a last ditch effort to perhaps save Donald Trump and maybe even her own career, that blew up on her face. So, what we're talking about here is the fact that she earlier this week wrote a letter to the court accusing effectively Judge Kaplan of having a conflict of interest with Carol's attorney, Roberta Kaplan, who have, as I'm sure you already know at this point, are not related, they just have the the same last name. But in that letter, she cited a New York Post article that suggested that those two, the judge and the lawyer, had a mentor-mentee relationship way back decades ago. And because of that, Can we really trust the outcome in this case? Should it perhaps be overturned? She's not saying anything, she's just saying. Well, uh, there was immediate pushback to that, pointing out how ridiculous that assertion was. So Kaplan, the attorney wrote that she and Kaplan, the judge, did work for the same law firm, this is Paul and Weiss. But their tenure overlapped by only two years that they barely associated with each other at that time, and that was 30 years ago. So if you are going to imply that they were mentor mentee, you're going to need to provide some evidence for that. And if you're going to further imply that that for some reason corrupts the outcome of the E. Jean Carroll case, we're going to need even more evidence for that. Also, Attorney Kaplan pointed out that the fact that they had been at the same law firm is a matter of public record. This isn't some like crazy digging that Alina Habba did or the New York Post. People knew that. And that if you wanted that to be a part of the trial, you could bring it up at the trial. Now, Alina Haba did not do that either because it's ridiculous and it never would have worked, or because she doesn't know what she's doing as a lawyer. And there's good reason to believe that um but at this point uh we do want to give you just a little bit more uh of the the developments here both Haba and her client have pushed a false narrative of judicial bias they say so that they could characterize any jury verdict against Trump as the product of a corrupt system while that strategy has now moved into its post verdict phase it is now time for defendants false and vexatious claims of bias or impropriety to stop so that's um Jean Carroll's uh, lawyer pushing back in a letter and there isn't anything to it and it's immediately ridiculous what that claim claim is, it's not necessarily a good call for a lawyer to be making accusations of bias against not only attorneys but also judges. And since Alina Haba knows that multiple of Trump's former lawyers have been disparred as a result of working for him, she backpedaled quickly. So she within just two hours responded with another letter, Uh, Backtracking on the accusations, she insisted that she had, quote, played no part in uncovering the information in the Post article, which again, was a matter of public record. Did not know the identity of the anonymous Paul and Weiss partner cited in that article, and had, quote, no personal knowledge whether the information contained in the article was true or false. All of this she offers up as a defense of her actions. And I ask you, is that a defense of her actions or does that just make her actions look worse? So she made these claims of bias against an attorney and a judge not because she had talked to the source, she had reason to believe it was true, she did it without any of that. Like totally off base, totally without any additional information. She happened to read something in the New York Post, which is obviously super trustworthy outlet, and then just ran with it. So as a result of that, I think she could be in trouble. Um she's Coming off that big loss, uh, Sharon, what do you think about Alina Habba? Uh,
1: well, first, Roberta Kaplan is a powerhouse. Alina Haba is someone who doesn't have a grasp of the facts, the law, uh, and can't manage the media, the PR thing either. But I would like to say this, um, she's perfectly capable of screwing up on her own, John. But I also think <laughs> that when you have a client who probably told you you better write that letter I, I read this on page six or something a client who was uh full of both verbal and non-verbal outbursts I mean he's walking in and out of the courtroom he's waving his arms he's you know sweating orange nonsense that's dripping all over the place she wasn't gonna win anyway did this help mm-hmm. no um and haba she should just put the law degree perhaps on her resume but don't use it don't ever use it again <laughs>
0: Well, she may not have to use it in this context for much longer. In the intro, I alluded to the fact that she could soon be out of a job. And here's the reason that people are speculating about that. Donald Trump put up a post on Truth Social saying, I'm in the process along with my team of interviewing various law firms to represent mean and appeal of one of the most ridiculous and unfair witch hunts our country has ever seen. The defamation sham presided by, he goes on to attack Lewis Kaplan and he's attacking other judges. And everything. Anyway, he goes on to say this entire hoax is a disgrace to our American system of justice. Any lawyer who takes a Trump case is either crazy or a true American patriot. I will make my decision soon. So at the end he implies that Alina Haba could either be a patriot or maybe she's just crazy. I will leave you viewer to decide. But the more important part is the beginning. He's interviewing for law firms. Why do you have to do that Trump? You've got a lawyer, you've got a star in Alina Habba. In fact, she knows all the details of the case. She's already defended you in the case. Why wouldn't she defend you in the appeal? Well, he doesn't seem to have any interest in that. And honestly, like he's made a lot of bad staffing choices. But getting rid of her, you know, in favor of some other uh, uh, legal representation is probably the best choice he could make here. And so Alina Haba has hitched her wagon to Donald Trump, but he looks ready to kick it off. Um, so you know, it might be time to head to LinkedIn. You know, give it a little brush up maybe mention some sort of expertise in the field of AI. I hear that's hot, but for now her 15 minutes of fame in the MAGA world might be coming to an end. And I will ask you Sharon, since we know how this tends to go, you have someone like Alina Habba who's willing to say and do anything for Donald Trump and then he kicks it to the curb. She'll probably make some appeals to him to keep her in his orbit. But if that doesn't work out, how far away are we from the anti Trump Alina Habba book? being released, <laughs> perhaps with a tour on The View or on Morning Joe to accompany it.
1: Well, she might want to self publish. I don't know that she's impressed enough people, even by being close to Trump, um, to warrant any kind of advance that's worth it. Maybe one month's rent on a, a studio apartment. Uh, <laughs> but I really, I I don't know that I believe he's interviewing other top law firms. Because just I'll clue you in on something in case you didn't know. A lot of times they won't even give you an appointment to have like a go see. They won't put you on the books until you pay a little fee, a retainer. And given Mm -hmm. his track record, I don't know that they're actually picking up for him. But it might be a good idea, as you said, to change legal teams and maneuvers. Um, But unless you're going to change the client, Alina Haba, the next guy, Rudy, whomever, it's just not going to. Matter, but I wish her the best. I I don't see a book tour though in her future. I don't even no. see Fox and Friends.
0: No. Oh man. I'm sorry. Standards are so low. You'd think she'd be able to get a guest spot on the Five or something. But um, yeah. Look, we also know that there's a lot of law firms that have been absolutely burned by Donald Trump, and and also, like I I guess theoretically you could represent him at appeal. I, I don't know how likely the appeal is to work. So it probably wouldn't be long time work. And there's no chance of you winning at this point. So Are you just going to take the small chance of actually being paid for what's going to end up being a black mark on your firm's reputation? I don't know, stay tuned to find out. The MAGA world is apparently being absolutely bled dry by Donald Trump as he offloads all of the many costs of his legal challenges directly into their laps. And the amount of money, that he is funneling from them, from just regular conservatives around the country, is truly staggering. It is apparently over the course of just last year, $50 million. Not in all of the costs of all of his trials, but all of just what the packs that raise money from regular conservatives have put forward towards that. $50 million that was given by, you know, truckers and grandmas or whatever who like really want to build that wall or something. Instead, it's just going to Alina Haba or flights to New York City or whatever. And by the way, it's not only hurting them, it's potentially hurting his reelection bid because Save America. So that's a Trump PAC, that's one of the big contributors here. At one point, had more than $100 million in the bank. But last year, it almost went broke because of all of these legal fees. And so, He's been apparently directing 10% of donations raised online to that pack. So 10% of everything that is raised goes to that. So you might think, well, you know, shed no tears for the MAGA world. If they're donating to his legal defense, then they get what they deserve. But they don't even know that that's happening. You know, they get an email about how election interference or something, something Hunter Biden's crotch. And they're like, I want to donate to that. But instead it just gets thrown into these legal challenges. And by the way, some of them are necessary. He's being sued. Others are totally optional. Like He doesn't have to appeal the E. Gene Carroll thing. And if he does, it's gonna cost millions of dollars. But it's not necessarily gonna cost him millions of dollars. It's gonna cost poor conservatives that much money. And I will remind you, Donald Trump assures us that he is a billionaire. He could absorb those costs if he really wanted to. He could pay for the defense necessitated by his actions, his statements. He did these things, but instead it's the MAGA world that's going to pay. What do you think Sharon?
1: And they're going to pay and pay and pay because he keeps doing these behaviors. Even though everyone's pointing out the bar is so low by the way. It's been four or five days and he hasn't said anything against her to defame her. Really? Um, But I don't feel a bit sorry for as you call them poor conservatives. They don't even know what day it is, nor do they know who pres- who's the president of the United States. So the fact that they are a little bit clueless and perhaps getting ripped off. I don't know what the laws are and campaign finance and all this other stuff, raising money with a super pack, you know, the loopholes and stuff. But oh well. If you choose to just kind of walk around in a stupor with your eyes closed, you're gonna bump into things and then you get bruised up. That's on you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just I just wish that the cost was on him. And and again, like look, some people there, I'm sure there will be conservatives. There'll probably be Fox News people that will see the same reporting and they will be concerned not about the fact that regular conservatives are pointlessly wasting money that they don't necessarily have to waste on Donald Trump. But that this is proof of the democrats plan. Look at what they're doing. They're trying to cost Trump all of this money. They're trying to bankrupt him so that he can't run in 2024. But again, I will remind you, he's a billionaire. If he wants to spend a billion dollars on his campaign, theoretically, he could do that. He shouldn't need those donations. But I will also remind you, these challenges to him are for actions that were so not necessary. You did not need to steal those documents. You did not need to launch a coup. You did not need to abuse Eugene Jean Carroll. And you certainly didn't need to spend years defaming her after that. You didn't need to try to find 11,000 votes in Georgia. All of those things, Donald Trump, are on you. And so when there are legal challenges over them, when there are high costs for your lawyers and all of that stuff as a result of it, you opted into all of that. This is like the most costly series of own goals our political system has ever seen. If you believe that that Joe Biden is authoritarian and he's just making all this up, well then Trump has definitely made it easier for him because they haven't had to dig into his past or anything. This stuff is all super transparent and that also is on Donald Trump. But I want to ask you about your opinion about one other thing because you know, this is hurting his ability to you know like put this money into other things. But also Nikki Haley is starting to try to make a little bit of noise about it. She posted a tweet saying, another reason Donald Trump won't debate me, his PAC spent 50 million in campaign dollars on his legal fees. He can't beat Joe Biden if he's spending all his time and money on court cases and chaos. So she's still not saying that it's merited. She's still not saying that he is a criminal. She's still not saying he did these things. But she is at least saying, look at him, He's a mess, it's chaos. This is why he can't run a serious campaign. Do you think that this could potentially work for her?
1: It could again, I lament that the bar is so low from the woman who didn't understand what the civil war was about and wouldn't utter the word slavery. But she she could potentially hurt him with some. But again, I think there's still so many people, not everyone. You have independents, you have people who are former republicans or rhinos or whatever who aren't going for it anymore, even with the conservative court and the like. They said it's too much, ending abortions too much. But so it could hurt with them, um, the money, the big donors, people who are kind of just sitting around unafraid of being targeted or getting a bullseye to the back. Um, But I think it could potentially, she's still around irritating him in her dress. (laughs)
0: 100%. Um, well, uh, I will also just add on. I understand what you're saying. Four days of not defaming Eugene Carroll's not the most impressive thing in the world. But it's a record. Oh, John. It's a record for it's quite true. some time and he's still not doing it. He had a really long post as you saw that talked about the judges and their bullies and all of this. Eugene Carroll crickets. I got nothing to say all of a <laughs> sudden and it's it's a silence that I absolutely relish.
1: If we just go after the Houthis and this one and that, it's not gonna make a damn bit of difference. The truth is that we either have to drop bridges or go after their munitions or send some cruise missiles in there. I don't know what the answer is. When Trump killed Soleimani, that was the end of it. They didn't respond. They knew Trump they was serious.
2: There were two service members who were hit right, by a missile attack and died was after. was a missile so- attack,
1: but it didn't start a world war. If we go after, everyone is saying and what Biden is, I don't want a world war. I don't want to make a big war. He's such a wuss on the world stage.
0: So is Ginny Pirro trying to go Joe Biden into World War Three? By calling him a wuss, by saying that he's weak and she's not alone. We're gonna get into the others. And she is so thirsty for blood, for US service members to go back to the Middle East and die once again in great numbers, that she's not gonna be stopped by a little bit of a fact check from Jessica Tarlov, which that was a great fact check, by the way. Her point was, when Trump did a thing, that was it nobody died. That's not the case. It definitely happened exactly the way that it did in this case. There was a missile strike that killed people and she tried to pretend that she knew that. Yeah, no, there was a missile strike, but there was no wider war. You didn't know that, but much more importantly, because not everybody's who's gonna remember that, you don't care. You made a point, it was directly contradicted by the facts and it's utterly irrelevant to you. So what did you actually mean? If the veracity of your claim was irrelevant to the argument you were making, what argument are you actually making? Well, it's the larger argument that Biden needs to do more. Now she'll say things like, well, but Trump didn't lead to a bigger war. But what are you calling for? You're calling for the destruction of Iranian infrastructure. She's calling for bridges to be bombed. She's calling for munitions to be, she's talking about attacking the military of Iran. It's not like the munitions are stored in a farmhouse in the hinterlands. It's a military base that she's talking about hitting. And the crazy thing is that Fox News wants to have their war and eat it too. They want to say we're not uh, for intervention. You know, Trump kept us out of wars. He kept us literally in the same exact wars we'd been in by the way. Um but Biden is weak. Biden shouldn't get us in a big war, but he has to be strong. He shouldn't launch us into another war, but he should attack the military of Iran and just assume that they won't do anything in response to that. So look, they they know the game they're playing. They know the impossible position that they're putting Joe Biden in. But it's an election season, they don't care, they don't care if this results in more US service members dying. They're trying to earn some points right now. And as I alluded to, it is not just Janine Pirro. You saw Donald Trump was sharing footage from Sean Hannity, where Sean Hannity was saying this is utter weakness from Biden, implying that he's not doing enough in reaction to this. Trump himself in response to the attacks had said, I ask all Americans to join me in praying for those who've been wounded. This brazen attack on the United States is yet yet another horrific and tragic consequence of Joe Biden's weakness and surrender. Remember, Joe Biden literally pulled us out of Afghanistan, something that Donald Trump to this day attacks him for, a war that Trump kept us in. So he kept us in the war, Joe Biden got us out of the war. Joe Biden appears to maybe be trying to not launch us into another regional war in the Middle East. And yet somehow coming out of this Fox News would have you believe that Joe Biden is both weak and a warmonger. And Trump was super strong, but we weren't in the wars, even the ones that we were actually in. It's nonsensical. It's a hard, I'm having a hard time following it, Sharon. What do you make of all this?
1: Well, it is difficult to follow. And can I just say, you do a lovely Trump voice, but it's traumatic for me. I kind of want you to be left on camera because it's too close. And it kind of just it throws me off. I'm telling you, my blood pressure. This whole thing. Listen, it's as if Hannity um, and Judge Janine They don't even have an assistant who can give them some bad talking points, an assist here and assist there. They just blurt out whatever. And and with the judge, I actually thought that was an SNL skit. And I'm not kidding you. When you first. Hit the play button. I thought it was SNL. As she looked down, like you know, I just got off the phone with a Boy Scout troop leader, and she says cruise missiles and trying to sound important and like she knows how to conduct World War whatever. She probably would love several installments. It's it's just all garbage and it's nonsense. And I don't know how you combat it. I don't know what the Biden administration could even say or do, or if you should push back on this wackiness.
0: Look. I guess the way that we combat it is sort of, I guess, the way that we've been trying to for a long time. We've been trying to warn, make sure that the American people understand the cost of these sorts of conflicts. And remember, like, that took work for a long time from a number of different outlets. People were, like, largely supportive of the invasions initially of Iraq and Afghanistan. It took years for them to be turned against, like, basically blind support for American imperial adventures. And now they are still largely against that sort of thing. It's why Fox News has to pretend that they're against intervention. They still understand that a lot of people, even Republicans, are not interested in us getting involved in another decades long nation building exercise in the Middle East. The issue is that they still want those things. They still want the money to flow to the defense contractors. They still love the idea of people in the Middle East being killed. And so that's why they're sort of jumping through hoops. It is a reminder that we were successful in that rhetorical battle. We just need to make sure that people are reminded and that we strengthen the aversion that they thankfully developed perhaps belatedly to these sorts of wars in the Middle East. But I want to add one other facet to this. And that is that she, Janine Pirro used Trump as an example of how this is supposed to be managed, which is he killed Qasem Soleimani and then that was it and he did it he's strong, he did it to protect us, and that's not why he did it at all. We already know why he did it, it was revealed by John Bolton, who said he did order the early exit of the head of the Iranian Quds Force. But what a weird way to describe killing a man, the early exit. But, But in listening to him talk about his views on why that was important, it was clear to me it wasn't simply to eliminate this major figure who was the leader of Iranian terrorist actions. But because it was such a big event, he would get enormous credit for it. He did it because, Um, remember, it wasn't just that he wanted generic credit in this area. He knew that Obama had all that cred from having gotten bin Laden and he wanted his version of that, which is why after they killed Soleimani, he was making statements about how that guy was secretly worse than bin Laden and all that stuff. It was nonsensical, it was clownish at the time. But that's why he just wanted to be bigger and better and a bigger killer of terrorists than Barack Obama. It wasn't about safety in the Mideast. Now, hopefully that is what is central to Biden's response. He said after the deaths in Jordan, we will strive to be worthy of their honor and valor. We will carry on their commitment to fight terrorism and have no doubt we will hold all those responsible to account at a time and in a manner of our choosing. But thankfully that has not meant we're carpet bombing Iran because Iran has already vowed that they will respond to any US strikes in the aftermath. Because of course they will like what would you do? If Iran attacked US bases in Georgia, what do we? It's this weird thing where we expect, oh, we'd respond in this way. That's very natural and very human. Everyone else won't do that. Every other country won't act as any human would. They'll be so intimidated by us, so impressed with our might that they would never support a terrorist movement that sought to strike us or anything like that. That has never been the truth. It is this myth that persists for some reason that I will never understand. So I am hoping that Biden will respond as he is required to, but in a measured fashion, not in the fashion that so many at Fox News are pushing him to. But what do you think?
1: I think you're absolutely right, and um, as Americans, we forget often that things of uh, decades before, like the first Iraq war gave us things like planes into buildings all those years later. I mean, it's it's something that we have to reckon with. And look, our leaders aren't perfect. I've not sat in that chair. I don't have my finger on the button. It's not fair to second guess them, but that is exactly what we're doing. You're also right about Trump wanting his viral moment, which is also why he tried to duplicate the same Footage where Obama walked out and said Osama bin Laden the name correctly, okay? He wanted that (laughs) viral moment. It's the same reason why Melania ripped off Michelle's speech, right? Because it sounded good and they wanted to look the part without everything else that perhaps goes into it. So it's it's par for the course. We don't need to get in deep, we don't need another world war. We're already drawn into and inserting ourselves in many things that others wish we would extricate ourselves from. 100%,
0: yeah, yeah, and some would benefit, some wealthy people, well-connected, they produce bombs and all that stuff. For most Americans, we have no interest.
2: Maybe they're focused
1: too much on DEI. There's a concern at the FBI because they're dropping the FBI
0: special agent requirements in the name of DEI. I'm just wondering if that has anything to do with missing an important drone that just killed three of our heroes. So that is Maria Bartiromo and her argument in response to the tragic death of US service members is to just spit a toxic brew of racism and stupidity. And I want to define both of those. So she says, uh, this is DEI, something, something the FBI DEI, ergo, they didn't catch this crew, this drone. So the stupidity is that what the hell does the FBI have to do with literally any of this? I don't care what you think about DEI and the FBI. The FBI is not stationed in Jordan protecting our forces. And if you cared at all about the topic that you're talking about, if you cared at all about the deaths that you're pretending to care about for your political advantage right now, then you might have thought through that a little bit, but you don't at all. You see this as a place to score points. So you'll rope the FBI in here for a reason nobody will understand. But much more importantly, this is just an excuse to say, look, they gave black people jobs and soldiers died as a result of it. That's all any of these invocations of DEI is. That's why they're talking about it in the airlines. That's why they're now bringing it up in every topic they can. Because there is some effort nationally to address systemic inequalities in the way that people were hired. Anything bad that happens from here on out is because of DEI, which is their way. It's like sanitized. It's their way of saying black people having jobs is why bad things happen. That's exactly what it means, but they're not gonna say that out loud. They're not that emboldened yet. Stay tuned for you know four years into the next Trump administration or something. But for now they have to code it with an acronym, but that's all that it means. Sharon, what are your thoughts about this?
1: So what you're saying is she's factually incorrect, racist, and I would add audibly offensive, stop shouting at me. Please stop shouting at me, okay? Um, But only the best people, the real affirmative action in America has people like her sitting in the chair of their own show. Her name is on the marquee, a national show getting paid, I would suspect millions and millions of dollars when she's making nutty, wacko, stupid statements like that. Only the best People, okay. I would like to see in the cockpit when I fly DEI because I actually watch every episode of Air Disasters. And I got to keep it real with you, okay? I they kind of all look a certain way, particularly if the crashes happen <laughs> before a certain decade, okay? So, sorry, that's just the way I feel about it.
0: I I haven't seen that show so i Gotta can't respond it. to that and as a person who frequently screams i'm going to push back on you on that but <laughs> um but yeah no it's it's ridiculous it's it's just it's taking the deaths of soldiers to make a racist point that's all and in particular let's not miss out on what must be an added bit of glee that she gets from this the identity of the actual soldiers who she knows people of color killed well what if we could take their death and we could use it as a way to attack people of color. How delicious would that be? That is the fantasy that Maria Bartiromo is living out and it is not lost on her audience who delights in it as well. Now that said, I want to move on to another topic, but don't worry. There's gonna be plenty of racism in this one too. Democratic representative Robert Garcia used yesterday's impeachment hearing to remind the world of what the Republican plan for border security looks like. I wanna remind the public that Donald Trump and House Republicans
2: also have their own ideas for the border. So let's review the majority's border ideas that they've actually presented. Here they are. Donald Trump actually has said that he wants to build alligator moats along the border. That's one of his incredible ideas. Another idea that Donald Trump has promoted is he actually wants to electrify the border fence and maybe even put some spikes on the border. That's another Donald Trump and MAGA majority border idea. Another idea, which I'm not sure how how well it would go is he wants to actually bomb Northern Mexico with missiles. That's another Trump idea. And finally, I think one of the ones that I think um, is the most grotesque is suggestions that instead we should maybe just shoot migrants in the legs as they cross the border. So once again, the Donald Trump and MAGA plan is alligator moats, bombing Northern Mexico, shooting migrants in the legs and electrifying the fence and putting spikes on them. That is the Donald Trump border plan. And so again, we are here today with these horrific ideas being presented constantly by the former president.
0: That sounds ridiculous. It sounds like a cartoon, like a bad joke. That you would have the big picture with the alligator on it. I mean, what is he talking about? How could this possibly be the case? But the joke is on us because all that was widely reported at the time. That is what Trump was talking about as a solution to the border. And Donald Trump could well be in charge of border policy once again. So as the right tries to use what's going on at the border to score political points, to potentially improve their standing among the electorate during this election year. It's in pursuit of getting Donald Trump back into the office where he will once again with his even more addled mind be coming up with bangers of ideas like alligators and moats and electrified fences. And it is not lost on me that when the congressman reminds the country of all of that, that will rightly horrify reasonable people. And many independents will see that and think, "Oh yeah, that's what those years were like. But for the right, they like being reminded of that. They liked those ideas, those like Looney Tunes-esque ideas that would maim and kill migrants, they want those again. They're getting a small version of it with Greg Abbott with the concertina wire and the floating barriers and the rivers that have razor wire on them as well. They like that idea, you know, we're ripping people's flesh, we're causing the bleed out. But it's not alligators and it's not electrified fences. How great would that be? How would how great would it be to just start opening fire on the migrants? So I'm sure, Sharon, that many of them are getting excited about the prospect of that once again being on offer.
1: Yeah, and I tried to think, you know, where do they come up with this stuff? Who's dreaming up this plot? I think it did come, it could be Stephen Miller too, but I think this came from Trump looking over the shoulder of a 14-year-old video gamer who said, you know, we could use that. I think it's actually that that simple. And I I know that Americans need to pay attention after all. If you don't pay attention, Life as you know it, that you're so busy being distracted by could could go away. It's really that simple. But there's so much nuttiness. And you kind and it kind of like bleeds reality and non-reality, fact versus fiction, that it's a lot to keep up with. And it needs this show and these visuals to see an actual alligator moat plan, a visual of that, to say, oh, I guess it's not. This is real. You know, then you turn to your kids and say, now what video game is that? Oh, there's not one that combines all that together. It just has the shooting or the alligator mode. So I really think that this is where we're at. It's just as nutty as it gets. It kind of helps push us back and make us take a seat and say, it's just too much. I, I don't even pay yeah. attention to this.
0: Yeah. It's it sounds like a, like a satirical movie. Yeah. Like it sounds like a movie that's like kind of like it's kind of hits you over the head. It's too obviously ridiculous, but it's real. We we live through that. We could live through that again. Um, and though, you know, Representative Garcia's in the minority in the House can't necessarily fight all of this off, at least he can remind us of what we went through and what we could soon be going through again. But regardless, uh, they're full steam ahead, and so too must we be. Let's jump to the next part of this. Uh, last night, the House Homeland Security Committee Republicans approved two articles of impeachment against Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas uh, just after midnight. So that means it is out of the committee. It is full to the to the full house, so we're going to see action on it this week. It passed out of committee along party lines, no one is surprised by that. No Republican had any problem with this. They think that all of this makes sense. This sham impeachment that they have cooked up against the Homeland Security Secretary, uh, how sham is it? How, how extreme is it to impeach a cabinet member because you don't like that there are migrants? Well, if they successfully vote to impeach him, It will be the first cabinet member to be impeached since 1876. This is so very much not a thing that is done. We've had crises, we've had disagreements, we've had tribalism in America. We've had the party not like a variety of different secretaries for good reason, incompetence or refusal to do your job. It has not resulted in an impeachment of a cabinet member in 150 years. But that is the road that they are now leading us down. And it's not just radical from my perspective, even their traditional allies think that this is a pointless boneheaded move. So Alan Dershowitz, big defender of Donald Trump specifically in his impeachment, published an op ed arguing that Mayorkas has not committed bribery, treason or high crimes and misdemeanors. And that most Republicans are prepared to apply a double standard based on partisan considerations. That is 100% what they're doing. It feels weird to agree with Alan Dershowitz, but he's right. And even the Wall Street Journal, stalwart defenders of conservatives on most issues says it achieves nothing. A dispute on policy does not qualify as a high crime and misdemeanor, which is 100% the case. And yet, they're probably going to do it. They only need a few defections to fail, Sharon. But uh, do you think that it's likely that those defections could come? I imagine that if you vote against this, that's it for you on the right. But what do you think?
1: Yeah, you'll be ostracized, you'll be kicked out of MAGA world, Trump will order it. I think it'll probably go through, okay? Because while I, wow, it's weird, I agree with Alan Dershowitz as well, um they already impeached an attorney general so why not go for a cabinet member this time you know you had eric holder before that was a first and a distraction and now you have something like this this as you actually get an offer with just about everything you want on the border and then you say one is too many and we just mm-hmm. push back
0: yeah yeah we got through like when i think back to the trump cabinet People who are specifically chosen because of their desire to dismantle the area of bureaucracy that they are ostensibly there to manage. Not impeached, Betsy DeVos, not impeached, but for some reason in this case, he has to be. Now, Republicans say that they are obligated to impeach Mayorkas because he has forsaken his duty to defend the border, the border which they say is in the middle of a crisis. It's a big crisis, so big that they have to impeach him, but not big enough to do literally anything to solve it. I will remind you, Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House, who will be voting for Mayorkas to be impeached has already said that the bipartisan Senate border deal has been worked on for months. That includes some things that Biden wants and a lot of things that the right has been asking for is dead on arrival. And we already know full well why that is. Trump continues to pressure the right wing to reject this deal, bleeding the illegal aliens that are pouring into our capital C country are taking over our double spaced cities and attacking our police. They're forming gangs and they are tough. Close the border. You do not need a ridiculous border bill that will allow 5,000 people into our country a day. Call it the stupid bill and make sure it doesn't get past it. I don't know what happened with that. It will make things much worse. Close the southern border. No bill necessary. So there's a lot of issues there. The 5,000 person a day thing. That's something that the right is all saying in the bill. There's no evidence that is it is actually in the bill, but they don't know or care. Um, call it the stupid bill, but don't pass it. Don't do anything. Because if Joe Biden gets a deal passed with the right, even giving them tons of what they want on the border, allowing conservative principles such as they are to drive how the border is secured that will be seen as a win for him. And maybe that's good for the Republicans, maybe that's good for the country in some sense. But so long as it is not good for Donald Trump, he has no interest in it. This is not America first, this is America maybe eventually at some point, but me 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 right now. That's what we're seeing. And so Speaker Johnson can say that he's not dismissing the border deal to help Trump saying, that's absurd. Sure, we know exactly why you're doing it. We know the the meetings that you've had behind the scenes. We know the constant pressure you're under on social media. So you can try to defend your reputation, imply that you're a big strong man that would never be influenced by Donald Trump. But we saw the about face that the right made on this topic once Donald Trump took interest in it. Sharon, what do you think?
1: And then members of the other Chamber, remember, flat out said it. I mean, they just said, yeah, it's him. And we're just going to stand back for now, Mitch McConnell and others. This, if me first were a person, there he is. Okay. And it's so sad that this is what we're dealing with. You're right. It's such a crisis, and people are being threatened. And I'm sure they're going to throw the rape and murder thing around as much as they can about this, you know, migrants crossing the border and everything. Problem is though the people who actually lived down there, conservatives, many of them said, "We, but we don't want this." They rejected Greg Abbott's uh, tactics, Mm -hmm. and so now you have Trump saying, "Well, we're going to leave it alone for now, and then we'll let everybody through until I get in office and I fix things correctly." That's what's stupid.
0: I think about how long. Like if you if you take it if you believe that it's a serious crisis, Mm -hmm. what like a year. That for a year, no big deal. Want to do what, it right? What do you actually think? Yeah, we yeah we got to do it right. We got to do it right when time. we care about it. <laughs> Joe Biden beat Donald Trump in Arizona in 2000. Trump hates that. The right hates that, and they also refuse to admit that that's actually what happened. But they clearly think that Trump is vulnerable there, which is why they're going to extreme anti-democratic lengths to make sure that that won't happen. And in this case, they're effectively setting up a system wherein if the Arizona people vote for a candidate that they don't like, they can just reject it. They just reverse it like they wanted to do with Mike Pence. The architect of this is Arizona State Senator Anthony Kern, who you're seeing in this photo, he was a fake elector in 2020. Who still holds elected office, that's fun that that can happen. Anyway, he's filed a proposal to have the legislature select who will get the electoral votes of the state rather than the winner of the popular vote in Arizona. Which really demonstrates a lot of faith in the popularity of your candidate that you want to stop the popular vote from having any effect whatsoever. By the way, in addition to being an Arizona fake elector, he was also photographed on Capitol grounds on January 6th, although there is no evidence that he actually entered the grounds. So he's kind of an insurrectionist, kind of a coward at the same time. Anyway, he pushed for an unending audits of the vote because he didn't like the result of the vote. But here's what he wants to do in this case. So Uh, Be it resolved that the legislature shall remain in session during years in which presidential elections are held, so that the legislature and no other official shall appoint presidential electors in accordance with the United States Constitution. So why would they do this? I mean, If you're so sure that your candidates are unpopular and won't be able to win the popular vote, well, why are you gonna have the legislature do it? I mean, that still theoretically could go to the other side. Well, that's unfortunately not the way it works. In Arizona, Democrats haven't held either house in that state since 1992. That's the way a lot of this works. You can have a state that's effectively 50-50, but still have it be wildly shifted towards one party in the state legislature. And so this is what he's trying to set up now when he was asked about this bill, he declined to comment except to say to a reporter from the Huffington Post, you are a complete idiot. And the Huffington Post is an enemy of the American people, which is funny because he appears to think that the American people are his enemy, at least when it comes to presidential elections. So no word on whether this is likely to become law, I imagine the pushback nationally is going to be vicious. (laughs) But Sharon, what do you think about the plot?
1: It sounds like um, some things that some other countries have done or tried to do. It's devious, it's um, anti-democracy, it's um, something that must be defeated. And the alarm bell must be sounded over and over again so that people get it and don't have to rush out after the fact and try to undo it when we're living under a dictatorship.
0: Yeah, never forget by the way, that they are anti elitists on the right. They're a populist movement, they love you know, the common man, they just don't want his vote to count for anything. They love the common man so long as the common man loves them. If the common man questions them, doesn't support them, then off with the common man's head. Anyway, he's a joke, I'm assuming it won't actually pass, but this is the sort of thing that they're pushing for in states around the country. And many of their bills, particularly to roll back voting access, have already passed, they're already law. Anyway, with that said, I wanna move into our final story of this first hour. It's a real doozy. An effort to honor three men lynched in Tennessee is being opposed because, and I can't believe I have to say this, it would be unfair and mean to white people. So the memorial is intended to honor three men to remember them because of what they went through. William Guthrie and Lawrence Bowman, as well as a Jewish man, Samuel Beerfield, who were lynched in a town in Tennessee back in the summer of 1868. Here are the details on what happened prior to their lynchings. Um, William Guthrie was murdered after the family of a white woman alleged he had sexually assaulted her, which he denied the Ku Klux Klan attacked Beerfield for his sympathy towards black residents, including Bowman, an employee in his store, according to researchers for the Williamson County Remembers Committee. So this sounds like the story that underlies virtually every one of the many lynchings that happened across America. A claim of sexual assault, a claim of favoring black people rather than white people of being some sort of race traitor, and three people lost their lives. Now, you might be wondering, Who could possibly be against this? Well, critics say um, that there are some issues here. First, that the marker would be unfair to other victims of violent crime. And could even leave the town on the hook for financial reparations to its black residents who make up about 6% of the population. Some worry that the monument would glorify lynchings. Others that it would put the blame on all white residents. Now. Is it doing that? Does it intend to do that? How would it do that? I don't know. But for some reason, some people who tend to be white conservatives find that if you acknowledge racism as well as racist violence, that for some reason implicates you. I've always felt very different than the sort of people that conducted lynchings, but others feel like that, that gap is not obvious for some reason. I don't understand, but I will say, Sharon. The idea that you cannot acknowledge those who died in a particular way because other people died in other ways. Racism aside is a stupid way to live your life and to run a government, but what do you make of all of it?
1: Well, I mean, if you want to go with this line of thinking, then predators should be allowed on school grounds because you might make them feel bad. Okay, we don't Mm -hmm. want people to feel isolated, alone, uncomfortable, embarrassed. This is absurd and it's just, I wish people would just scream out, we, hate black people, we hate Jewish people, or we prefer to be blind. That would be um, something I wouldn't necessarily respect, but at least I could look at it and I could look them in the eye and know where I stand, where you stand. And we don't have to play this little game. It's a game and it's a horrific one that denies horrific things that happened in America didn't happen. I misspoke there. These were perpetrated against people and we should not forget that.
0: Well, some people would really prefer that you do forget about it. There yeah. was a candidate, uh, Gabrielle Hansen, former alderman, uh, who posted this. Ended up losing the race, by the way, while running for mayor of Franklin. And says, uh, these markers tell a one sided story, <laughs> focusing solely on strife, violence, racism, and anti-Semitism, While leaving out the many uplifting and virtuous stories of our city's history. Uh, I think they're allowed to tell a one sided story. Because that's what it was. It was strife and it was hatred and it was racism and it was anti Semitism. That's what it was. Any particular monument does not need to tell in totality the story of a town. How would that work? Like, you know, I've always thought that the Vietnam Memorial is really focused on like people dying in Vietnam. It should really talk about how other good things have happened in Vietnam. What are you talking about? That's so obviously stupid that you clearly couldn't mean that. It's just that in this particular case, uh, it really makes us look bad if you remind people that there's racism in our past. It might make people wonder, could there be racism in our present or our future? And we don't want them to be thinking about that. But by the way, and some of you in the audience are probably already wondering about this. They don't want this memorial, but you know what memorial they do have? They have a Confederate monument in Nashville. Now, not the same exact town, but that's allowed. For some reason, how many uplifting stories does that monument talk about by the way? Because that's the only kind that's allowed after all.